Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 188 of Yoga Land. Hi there. Hello. Hello, we are back. And today we thought we would talk about creating digital content that goes beyond daily live stream yoga classes. This is a topic that we love because we have been creating content for a long time and we genuinely enjoy it. So let's start from the very beginning. If you are a teacher and you have ongoing live stream classes that have replaced your in-person classes, what suggestions do you have for making the content more cohesive? Let's take a step back and think about being in the yoga room itself. Let's think about being in any learning environment. The more consistent, the more methodical, the more structured the learning environment is, the more the student in that learning environment is going to grow and build and develop. There was a big thing that happened within my own personal development as a yoga teacher was one day I just realized I couldn't teach random classes anymore. And it would probably is also not just sort of the fatigue of that, but also hard to keep coming up with new things that don't fit together. Totally. Yeah. So I started to realize like, you know what? I don't feel as a yoga teacher like I am teaching something that is overtly building and accruing. feel like I'm reading my students a book in no particular way. Right, like different pages. Like this day. page and then this page and then this page. <laughs> and then hoping that over time they assemble all the information and they fill in all the gaps, yeah. right? And I also remember this phase, like, and you know, just, people are different, but I remember like at university, I say university as if I'm British. Oh, you are so... So just international. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. So, okay. So I remember going to college. I mean, you would say uni, really. Uni. So. I remember going to college. We okay. called it college. <laughs> I went to college. And I remember getting the syllabus at the beginning of every class. Right. And I was really excited. Always. Super excited. Always excited. Right? Yep. I'd be like, oh, it's this book and this book and this order, right? And I don't know how and when and where in the yoga world that we don't do that or we don't do something like that, right? right? Or another example too is I remember going to our daughter's uh, kindergarten and I remember going to syllabus night in parents, kindergarten, yeah, parents yeah. night, mm -hmm. right? And they kind of walk you through like not, not hardcore, you know, this is exactly, you know, how many things we're going to do every day, but they look at units, mm -hmm. right? They look at units and, they and areas. Objectives. They have learning objectives. They have areas of inquiry. And so I just was putting all these things together. And I was thinking, look, I'm trying to teach yoga, which is physically difficult. It's mentally difficult. It's emotionally difficult. It's dealing with complicated layers of existence. How am I trying to do this by doing it randomly? Right. And so essentially what I started to do, it's kind of a long process, but, but like a brief encapsulation was, as a yoga teacher, I just decided that for about a month, I was going to have pretty similar focal points and a pretty similar series in all of my classes. It didn't have to be the exact same focal points. It didn't have to be the exact same series. But I didn't want to bounce around too much. That I wanted to make sure that I was teaching from a very well-balanced, complete, comprehensive structure. 
but then I was also bringing focal points. So maybe for a month, I was doing a little bit of everything, but I was also focusing on anterior core strengthening, inner leg strengthening, bakasana postures, and the skill of self-regulation under difficult times, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'd kind of keep those focal points for about a month because those would be the anchors. And those would be the things that we would go back to time and time again. We talked in previous conversation about um, that an element of teaching is like having a conversation. Well, sometimes it's difficult to have a conversation if you don't have something to talk about. It's actually really difficult to teach and to be creative and innovative if you don't have some things that you're trying to solve for or develop Mm -hmm. or figure out, right? So essentially... I'm going to save like the whole curriculum matrix that I do. It's too comprehensive to think about it now. But the bottom line is this can be done digitally. This can be done. You can translate the curriculum. This translates the exact same way, right? In one of our first classes, we said, look, people need whole body practices. People need to open their front body. People need to strengthen their body. Let's start there. Well, maybe that becomes a set of focal points that you maintain for three weeks or a set of focal point you maintain for four weeks, right? Or, and then the next month you think, well, what haven't I been focusing on? Well, you know, I really haven't been focusing on outer hip opening. I haven't really been focusing on upper back and shoulder opening. What are some other poses that go with that? So then we start to develop the next month a little bit more of a plan, a little bit more of a consistent approach. Not to say that every every class has to be the same, but I'm not going to just like pick numbers out of a hat and teach a random Mm -hmm. sequence, right? So that translates really well. And one of the reasons that translates so well right now is because people are working from home right? Teachers are working from home. So we're not jumping from place to place to place to place. So we actually have time to sit back, to think a little bit about strategy. What are the physical things I'm trying to teach? What are the mental things I'm trying to teach? What are the spiritual things I'm trying to teach? What are the emotional things I'm trying to teach? And just come up with a basic consistent plan month over month and try to come up with those targets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You remember back in the day, you being with Yoga Journal, right? Mm -hmm. You all did themed issues. We did. Because it's so hard to be creative without some center. Yeah. Right? Yes. You just, because actually, if you don't have focal points, you will be more redundant. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, it's better to have things planned out. And that so often people think that creativity comes from a vacuum. Creativity doesn't come from a vacuum. It creates from some like internal process of discovery and sorting through kind of the complex math of an environment. Yeah. I mean, I'm preparing this online course on getting your writing content out there which will launch soon. And that's something that I talk a lot about is like how to come up with your objectives so that you can plan so that you have open space for ideas to actually come to you instead of being sitting behind your computer and being like, oh my God, I have to send something out. What do I, what do I write about? 
if we try to write content, like people try to teach class, which is like sit down and wing it, it will never come together. Yeah. Yeah. It's stressful. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about other opportunities people can create for teaching online. So one of them is one-on-one. Yes. So here's the thing to remember. We all tend to somewhat be like prisoners of the obvious, right? So we are used to doing public classes. So what's the first thing we think of when the studio door closes? Public classes, mm-hmm. right? We, we think, how do I try to create the same thing instead of what does this new environment actually afford me the opportunity to do? And what this new opportunity affords us the environment to do is to work even more individually via Zoom, via Skype, via FaceTime, that we actually see, look, if I can teach a group of 20 to 50 people yoga, and it actually works a little bit online, I can most certainly teach one person, Mm -hmm. you know? And there are so many people right now that, yes, they're having to cut corners and they're having to cut back and that there's a lot of people financially suffering. There's also a lot of people that have the resources to invest in certain things that they might not have on the past. They might not have had the time. They might not have had the time Mm -hmm. or the inclination. Mm -hmm. I also think that there's a lot of teachers, there's a lot of students that are not doing one-on-ones because they don't know that their teacher actually offers them. I agree with that 100%. And this is where having your digital newsletter, once again, is a drum I will beat over and over again. This is a great way to reach people. If they are your students already, if they have subscribed to their, your newsletter, they know who you are. It comes to their inbox. You should, each time you send out a newsletter, mention that you're offering one-on-ones right I, now. I can promise people that if they have, I can't promise. I really strongly believe this is a massive opportunity that is going totally unchecked. Sure. I think a, one more really small little bit on this is As someone that used to do a lot of privates, one-on-ones, the thing that gets really difficult on a teacher about doing one-on-ones is the location. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you take the time to go to someone's house or do you bring someone to your house? Those are both complicated, right? They're not that complicated, but they they can be complicated. It has to be you know, easy for you to get to from your other classes that you teach, et cetera, et cetera. Or you do it at the studio. The studio takes a percentage and the studio only has time between like 2.24 and 3.16 p.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so this this really becomes an opportunity where you're selling a revenue hour and you're providing a really good service, right? Mm-hmm. Now we can think really briefly about pricing because I know that question will come up and it's simple. The way I always think about pricing for one-on-ones in person is similar to body work. Mm -hmm. This is kind of complicated. So like, and that's, it's a little bit regional. So I would say kind of regionally, like wherever you are, like if you're in New York or LA, your prices are probably different than if you're in Cleveland or Detroit, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Not hugely different, but there's going to be some differences. So wherever you live, you can kind of look, what is, what's the scale of acupuncture? What's the scale of body work? And then if we want to translate that digitally, if if you want to reduce it so it's three quarters that price or four fifths of that price. Oh, okay. Because it's online, it's not live. But I I think that that's a simple way that you can start to scope it out. I want to say one other thing about 
price. I know that it's really easy right now to accept payment through PayPal or through Venmo. And that's that's fine if that works for you and you really know the person well. But I will make a little plug for getting some kind of program like Acuity. And Acuity is actually a sponsor. We often like mention things and we say, not a sponsor, but they are a sponsor right now. But we've had a lot of students who've had success with using a, a service like this because it sends out reminders to your students. Yeah. Online, people might forget that they have scheduled something. Yeah. It's a lot easier to forget and you don't want that hour. You don't want to have to deal with that. So when you have something like Acuity, when they book the appointment with you, you can set up what your cancellation policy is. Like, I need to know 12 hours, whatever it is, whatever is important to you, you can set up what your cancellation policy is. They will click through and agree to that. And then it will also send them reminders. Nice. So something like that, it's just totally. I used to do tons of privates. I never did that, but I can't imagine not using something that is formatted like that. Yeah, at this point. Okay. And then the next idea that we wanted to float out there is creating series. Actually pronounced series. Duncan, if you're out there. And, it's, and, <laughs> All my Hong Kong students, if you're out there. And if you're going to have Newman's Oreos, they're called Newman's O's. Don't say that. We'll get like a YouTube infraction. We'll get like suit or something. Oh, no, really? No. Oh, God. Jeez Louise. Okay. So, but creating a series of classes that that go together. And you'd mentioned to me that you feel like right now, a lot of people who are practicing are new students, husbands, cousins. Yeah. Significant others. So everyone that's listening to this, create a simple beginner series, okay? Like I have to, I have one to sell you, but I'm not going to try to sell it to you. You <laughs> go do it. Yeah. Because like, especially even if you just watch on Zoom, my guess is someone was saying this the other day. They, they use this language like really well. I was on a call with some students of mine. We were doing a check-in and we were talking about selling Zoom classes. And this person said, yeah, you know, I've just made it clear that it's $10 per household. And I was like, oh, of course that you're saying it's per household. Right. Because when you watch people do Zoom, like, or you use Netflix, like... There's more than one person. There's more than, there's so often more than one person. Right. And I know if I'm seeing it, you're seeing it. And it's that you have a lot of people that are cooped up with each other. So you have a lot of, brought this up the other day, you have a lot of like the husbands or the boyfriends or the girlfriends or the moms or the dads or the kids who are, they're starting to do a little bit of yoga. Mm-hmm. And that provides us as teachers two opportunities. It provides us with a possible revenue opportunity of creating new classes or a new four-week beginner series, right? Right. But the other opportunity it provides us as a teacher is to become a better teacher by thinking in a larger increment, Yeah. right? So when you are a yoga teacher and you're only ever thinking about 60 minutes at a time or 90 minutes at a time, you might be excellent in that format, but that's a short form format. And if your 60 minutes or your 90 minutes don't ever relate to each other over time, Mm -hmm then you're, you're limiting the scope of your professional development. So this provides you by doing like a four-week beginner series, <laughs> a four-week beginner series, it provides you with the opportunity to develop revenue, but also to think about if you have 
four 60-minute classes to get a beginner to learn the basics. Mm-hmm. What are those things? Right. What are the concepts you want to teach them? What are the poses you want to teach them? What are the techniques you want to teach them? What are the philosophical principles you want to teach them? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, it just, it makes us think through and evaluate what we're really trying to do mm-hmm. and see where our values and our priorities really lie. And for something like that, if you were doing specifically a series for beginners, yeah. would you cap the attendance so that it's a small group? You could. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I used to do it at the studio a long time ago, and I would cap it at 20. Mm-hmm. We would cap it at 20, and it was a four-week class. Yeah. I think online 28 for beginners might be kind of big, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Because, well, just thinking about like looking at your screen, if they're beginners, I would think you would really want to see them all. I don't know how many little squares you get on Zoom. I don't know either. I'm sure you might get 20. But uh, that's just something to think about is what size you want to be managing. So that actually brings us to another kind of related revenue opportunity that is feel like the Pilates world has done this really well for a long time and just it doesn't exist as much in the yoga world, which is duets mm-hmm. or small groups, mm-hmm. right? So just like the privates, you might, maybe you set it up so it's a, it's a four-part beginner series and it's limited to five people. Yeah. But it is $20 per person per session. Right. So then there's $100, but you get to like, you get $100 for that teaching, each one of those classes. Yes. But you get only five people to really attend to. Right. The other thing digitally is like, not to be overwhelming, but one of the things that I always did in the series that I would do is I would provide people some homework, some like mini sequences to do in between. Mm-hmm. But when I would do that live, I'd have to get people's email address and then I'd have to go home and I'd have to like email them and so forth. But when this is already being done online, that opportunity for follow-up is really easy, Mm -hmm. you know? So you have five people in a program and maybe you have, maybe you even give slightly different, um, like written feedback to people and like, you know, Sally, since you have a little bit tighter hamstrings, I'm going to give you a few more simple hamstring openers. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, you could even decide, you could even decide you're going to send them individual sequences at the end or something like that. One of the things I am a broken record about in on the three, on, well, when people are getting a 500 hour certification with me is that's the, that's the phase where I'm really breaking to them that no one is going to make the living they want to make as a full-time yoga teacher on drop-in yoga classes alone. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. Mm-hmm. The, the margin in studios is, is too low and the saturation for teachers is too high. Mm-hmm. And so what you want to start to do is you want to start to have these supplemental or these secondary things. You want to be developing some series. You want to be developing some beginner's content. You want to be developing some one-on-ones. You want to be developing some small groups. Because those are also the things where you build a closer, more intimate connection. Right, right, And then those are the people that might go on the workshop. They might go on the retreat. So what I'm getting at is, I I think of all the conversations that we've had so far, 
This conversation is the easiest conversation to transfer from the live to the online space. Hmm. I, I actually think that we have so many more business opportunities here mm-hmm. than outside of the room because we're not having to figure out a time and a space. Yeah, that's right. True. That's so true. at studios, like studios can only do so many be- prime time beginners classes. Right. Because, you know, like I'm teaching at six, Stephanie's teaching at six, Peter Walters is teaching, like everyone's teaching at six. The studio can't remove, like, sorry, we're not, we're not going to have your six o'clock flow class for this month because we're doing a beginner series. Right. But you now, because there isn't, there isn't a limited location, we have this massive opportunity to, to lean into the things that we feel really good and really passionate about. Right. Yeah, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Keeping in mind that if you feel any kind of hesitation about, you know, promoting yourself or feeling salesy, many of us feel that way. But another way to reframe that, I mean, I'm so into like mindset (laughs) these days. Another way to reframe that is that some people might really need a beginner's class and some people might really need a smaller group. They don't want to do the Zoom on the bigger group and they have the ability right now to pay for that. And so you have to just remember that you are trying to help people as well. You're trying to serve them. You're trying to provide what people need. Two super quick things. So, you know, with my jujitsu coach, I do private lessons. I mean, not right now, but it's not like he forced me to do private lessons, right? He offers this thing and I take advantage of that thing or I don't take advantage of that thing Mm -hmm. based on interest, right? So letting people know that you offer this thing isn't strong arming them into making them do this thing. Yeah, You know what I mean? You're letting people know and then the people that are able to do it and who are interested in to do it, we'll do it. And if you want to offer some sort of sliding scale, sure, that's fine. The last component to this is I don't try to sell myself. I try to think of the positive benefits of doing yoga, right? So it's not like I think, okay, you need to start your beginner's practice and you need to start it with me because I can do blah, 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 blah. I think, no. If you're interested in yoga, I think it'd be really good for you. So as a teacher, when you're kind of selling something, don't think about selling yourself. Think about the benefits that would come. Do you think it would be beneficial for someone to have one-on-one feedback, a small group feedback? Do you think it'd be beneficial for someone to have a structured curriculum to practice yoga in? Do you think it would be beneficial for a new student to have your eyes on them and start doing yoga, would that be good for them? The answer is yes. Right. Period. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for being here. And if you enjoy the podcast, please hit subscribe wherever you are finding it. And we will see you soon.